20 years old, I found out I was pregnant. Those two pink lines devastated me. I knew I could survive the adventure of parenthood, but I didn't have a roadmap to help me thrive. Welcome to the Two Pink Lines podcast, a podcast addressing the questions of unplanned pregnancy. I want to share stories of women and men who've embraced the unplanned and found out that they can still hope, dream, and become a parent. Hi, I'm your host, Cheyenne Erickson. Join me as we embrace the unplanned. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. It's been a while, but we had a fantastic first year of the podcast. We had 22 guests on every other week. That is an accomplishment. And I learned so much and met so many incredible women. And so I hope you guys have really enjoyed just the conversations that we've had around here. But there's going to be a few changes to the podcast format. The first is that episodes will now be coming out on Friday instead of Thursday. And the second is that due to some moving parts in my personal life, the podcast is no longer going to be on a bi-monthly schedule. So if you've enjoyed the content, please subscribe, and then you'll never miss an episode. And if you follow us on Instagram, you'll see when a new one comes out. Today, I have a fabulous interview that I'm so honored to share with you. Something that I've heard over and over is that Christian women feel shame when they have an unplanned pregnancy. For example, if you go back and listen to episode six with Sarah and Zach, they tell us about how they were totally rejected by their church and no one would even speak to them. And that seems to be a common narrative that Christians call themselves pro-life, but when they do nothing to help people with unplanned pregnancies. Well, if you've been hurt by a church or if you have felt shame because of your pregnancy, then this episode is for you. I had an opportunity to talk with a wonderful woman named Amy Ford. She's the founder and director of Embrace Grace, an organization that works to show love to women with unexpected pregnancies. Amy has her own pregnancy story that she shares with us, and it was just refreshing to hear her take on what the church should be doing to help people with unplanned pregnancies. If I had heard this message when I was pregnant, I think it would have changed the way I viewed my pregnancy. So I'm really excited to share it with y'all. Hey, Amy, welcome to Two Pink Line Pod. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I mean, I am really honored. You have done so much amazing work, and the fact that I get to speak to you is just really cool. Oh, well, thanks. Well, I, I'm, I'm excited to, to be able to share about pro-love and, you know, all of the things that God's doing. It's, it's fun, been fun. Yeah. So um, our listeners know this, and I know you and I've talked about it a little bit, but kind of the goal of my podcast is to reach anyone who's entering motherhood. But I have never done a show specifically to talk to Christian women. And something that, I mean, I'm a Christian and my unplanned pregnancy deeply impacted me spiritually. And I think that's where the grieving really happened was I felt shame. I felt far from God. Um. And other Christian women that I've ever interviewed on the podcast or just talked to in real life, I feel like that is a normal experience for Christian women. And so I really have been waiting for someone to come and talk to us about, um, I guess, recovery from that or giving us hope that there is forgiveness because sometimes I feel like I needed permission to accept forgiveness. Um, 
So anyway, that's what kind of where this is all going to go. Um, first, tell me a little bit about yourself. For those who don't know your name right off the bat, um, what have you done with your work? What's your familial role? Yeah. So, well, I'm Amy Ford and I'm president of Embrace Grace, which is a ministry that helps women with unexpected pregnancies get connected to churches. And it's actually for women that are Christians or are not Christians. Like we welcome all um, different kinds of women to to come. We just want to love on them. We throw on baby showers and um, just share about hope. And they get to meet other girls going through the same thing that they are. And I know that that season, sometimes you can feel alone. So we want to make sure they're connected to community and to feel God's love. So we um, have almost 700 support groups in 47 states and 10 countries that do embrace grace. And anyone can start a group. And uh, so that is Embrace Grace. And then as far as my family, um, well, I am married uh, 23 years, have four kids. Um, I had an unplanned pregnancy myself. So that little, that my oldest, he is 23 now and uh, he is amazing. And he just graduated from college and got married and um, and he's getting his master's now and just super proud and so thankful that I um, ended up going through with my pregnancy. Yeah. Tell me about your story. Well, I had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 19 and I grew up in church, had an amazing family, but I did not have a relationship with the Lord. And, um, and so I was kind of finding other things to fill that God's eyes hole in my heart. And I sometimes used, you know, my boyfriend for that, you know, trying to meet that need that he could never meet. And so we ended up finding out that we're pregnant. And even though we knew like, and grew up knowing abortion was wrong, I just thought, you know what, I need to just go through with the abortion. I can deal with the consequences of a broken heart later. It felt like a quick fix. And so we scheduled the abortion, paid for it. I went to my appointment and all of the emotions and the stress and everything that I had just stuffed down, it kind of all erupted in that abortion room. And I ended up hyperventilating and passing out in the abortion room. And when I came to, the nurses were fainting me, trying to give me a drink of water. Um, And one of the nurses said, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. You can come back another day, but today you're not getting an abortion. And So I went back out in the waiting room and my baby daddy, who actually is my husband who now that we've been married 23 years, but he, uh, he could see that my face was swollen from crying so hard. And we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, okay, let's just figure this out together. We had really convinced ourselves that, you know, our our lives were over and that our parents were going to hate us and we're going to be homeless. You know, all the worst case things that you can ever think of go through your head when you're in that panic moment. And so we just decided, okay, you know, if we're going to be homeless or if we're going to, you know, all this bad stuff is about to happen, we'll, we'll just do it together. And so we ended up telling our parents it wasn't as bad as we thought it was. And um, we decided because we had been together four years, we decided to get married, even though it wasn't the time we knew we wanted to someday, but just the timing, you know, changed a little bit. So uh, we got married when I was 16 weeks pregnant and the man pastor that had led my husband to the Lord years before um, and that Ryan, my husband looked up to so much. We asked him him if he would marry us. And he said, I'm sorry, 
uh, because you've sinned, I cannot bless this marriage. And we were just like, oh my gosh, like we are such horrible people. We can't even get married right. And I had a beautiful wedding, but it definitely felt like a scarlet letter on my wedding day. Just a lot of shame that I felt and worrying about what people knew or what they didn't know or what they thought of me and, and all of that. And so, but one thing that's cool is that pastor that wouldn't marry us, he called us two years uh, later, he called my husband two years later and he asked for forgiveness. He felt like it was his worst mistake in pastoring history that he had ever made. And my husband loves this guy. And he was just like, yes, of course, I forgive you. And um, and so, you know, all of that time, you know, we, we try to go back to church, but it's kind of like the elephant in the room and people don't know whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry. So they don't say anything and you just feel alone in a crowd of people. And, um, so we kind of just stopped going for a while, but until my son, I ended up having a son and he's who I mentioned earlier, you know, that he's just doing amazing. And whenever he was 16 years old, that pastor that wouldn't marry us, he is, he lives about four hours away from us and he has a, a church out there. Uh, now when my son was 16, he asked me to come to his church and speak about, it was on Mother's Day, speak about pro-love and what Embrace Grace is doing, the ministry that I lead and all this stuff. And, and so after I was done, he asked me to come back on the platform and he was very open with his congregation apparently before I had even gotten there about telling his side of the story and said he had a religious spirit and a Pharisee heart. And um, so after I had spoke, he asked me to come back on the platform and he asked my son to come on the platform. And he said, Amy, years ago, I asked your husband for forgiveness, but I never really asked you, will you forgive me? And I was like, yes, of course. Like that was 16 years ago. And now look, you know, at all this ministry stuff that's happened. And well, then he looked at my son, 16 in front of the whole church. And he said, uh, Jess, will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your heart before you were ever even born? And while you were in your mother's womb, I rejected you. Will you forgive me? And my son, 16 in front of the whole church says, I forgive you. And it was such a powerful moment. Like you could just feel church wounds being lifted in that room. The factor that, that the pastor would humble himself in that way is just so amazing. And so all of that just really made me realize the power that the church has on just helping women be brave. Like if you look at every abortion decision, usually it's all rooted in fear. Mm -hmm. fear of being alone, fear of my parents hating me, fear of my baby dad breaking up with me, you know, fear of education being interrupted or finances. It's all fear. So as uh, the church or even, you know, if you're not a Christian and you're just pro-life, like how can we as people be pro-whole life and help these women be brave and, and see the bigger picture and then help them not only through the pregnancy, but their whole life. You know, that's what the church, the church is a spiritual family. So we can help each other for our whole life if they want to stay connected. I mean, I'm crying from the story of the pastor talking to you like that, because it, that type of humility is just amazing. Um, yeah. It, the way that my husband and I, we never experienced rejection from a church. We, Our church family was very kind to us. They lifted us up. Our parents, very accepting. Um, where we felt it was our Christian college that we went to. Um, technically, we should have both been kicked out. And my husband was graduating the next month. Um, and so it was that, like, are we going to lose our education because we're pregnant? And our we had an amazing debate coach and he shielded us from everything. Like I I don't know what the conversations were with the administration, but we never felt 
the ramifications of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've made this your like mission in life to um, be pro-love. Can you tell me what that means to you? Yeah, well, you know, there's I meet a lot of pro-life people and um, and and usually when you think of pro-life people, it's like you vote a certain way and it's like yeah. dance that you believe in. But I also think it's very important to uh, be pro-love and that's, you know, to have the action behind it. Pro- pro-life is a stance, pro-love is an action. But how can, how, we? it would be amazing that she would just think, you know what, why would I need to have an abortion when there's so many amazing resources out there, when there's so much love and people that want to help me that it doesn't even cross her mind. And I started Embrace Grace and it was like, it started as a small group at my own church. We never in a million years thought it was going to be a nonprofit. It didn't even cross our minds. You know, when we started, we just wanted to help women with unplanned pregnancies. And then we ended up starting the nonprofit a few years later, just because a lot of churches were asking us to show them how to do it too. And we started realizing, oh, you know, this is, we can help all these other churches do this. Well, and then I got asked to speak. Um, my first book came out, A Bump in Life, and I got asked to speak about that at a CareNet conference, which if anyone's listening, they're a pretty large pro-life organization that helps pregnancy centers and trains them and all of that. And I had no idea who they were, but I was like, sure, you know, I'll speak at your thing. And uh, I showed up and I was completely in shock by all of the vendors and vendors at when I say vendors, I mean like nonprofit organizations that had set up these booths and that were just boots on the ground, really helping these women um, in their time of crisis and just different creative ways. And I just, I, I grew up in church my entire life and had no idea there was a pro-life movement. Like we never even thought Embrace Grace is a pro-life organization. It never crossed my mind because I didn't think pro-life was like, I didn't know. When you think of pro-life because of the media, you think it's picketers outside of abortion clinics. Like that's the only thing. Sidewalk chalk. Right. That's the only thing that I, if someone said I'm a pro-life advocate or I'm a pro-life, you know, work in the movement, I would have immediately just thought that. And so I just couldn't believe, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like there's so many people that are are connected to this. And I think really across the board as if Christians and maybe non-Christians, like a lot of people just don't know even what a pregnancy center was. And for me, you know, I didn't go straight to a pregnancy center because I had no idea that they existed. You know, I looked up on the internet abortion clinics and went to an abortion clinic because I didn't know, you know, that there was such a thing. And so I feel like awareness is so important and being the boots on the ground and and doing whatever it is that is that passion that you, that is in your heart, you know, whatever that might look like, whether it's, it is outside of abortion clinics, but not being weird and, you know, mm-hmm. showing hope and love, or maybe it's um, starting a podcast like you, or maybe it's writing or being an advocate through social media, or maybe it's walking alongside these moms, you know, hand in hand or helping her, her practically with things that she might need. Like if she needs to get her GED or looking for grants for single moms for her, you know, whatever it is, whatever makes you pound your fist on the table and say, someone needs to do something about this. A lot of times that passion is put in your heart for a reason and it's to do the good works that the Lord called us to do or to make a difference in the world. And so there's so many creative ways, you know, like even little things like helping a single mom take out her trash if she lives in an apartment, like that's super hard when you're carrying a baby plus 
trash bags and all of that. I mean, there's just little Mm -hmm. things that we all can do to just make her feel supported and empowered and equipped. Um, Yeah. Um, I work for another organization called She Might. And one of our like intro questions was, if you would write a book, what would it be? I'm like, we need like a grassroots version of like what it means to be pro-life. And so when I started, when I picked up your book, um, Help Her Be Brave, I was like, oh my goodness, she did it. This is what the world needed. Um, and so yeah, I, I just I have think- really enjoyed reading your book. Oh, thank um, you. And because a lot of people have a passion or maybe they want to help, but they just don't know where to even start, like, because they don't know what's out there. So, yeah. you know, it makes it very easy putting all of those ideas in there. There's over 300 ideas in Help Her Be Brave to help people know where to start. And a lot of times if you just start with some one thing, the doors start opening up to like find an even better fit for you. Mm-hmm. And now kind of going back to, I think a lot of women, like I said at the beginning, I mean, you work with these women, you have studies, you've thrown baby showers, you are really on a um, intimate basis with women with unplanned pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm sure I have some listeners that, you know, either have felt rejection by a church, they're afraid to go back, they're afraid of what if my parents knew. Um, What could you say to her to say, you know, I hope that your experience at a church is great. Like, what could you do to encourage her? Um, I don't know, in case of rejection of the church. Yeah, for sure. Well, one thing I think that church, church has done that really, they had good intentions, but it just didn't turn out the way, you know, they maybe have hoped is that this purity thing, you know, the purity rings and um, true love waits and all of that. And while I believe definitely in staying abstinent until you're married, um, this, what I've noticed with, we have two kinds of girls that come to Embrace Grace. They're either church girls that grew up in the church or they're not. But what I've noticed with specifically the church girls is that they had maybe at one point in their life got a purity ring or something similar. And at one point, you know, they messed up and they, they ended up having sex with someone. And so then their mindset is, well, I've lost my purity. Mm -hmm. Then they take the purity ring and they stuff it in the corner of their drawer. And they're just like, you know what? I'm dirty now. And so I'm just going to like be with whoever. And I'm just going to like, you know, and really even their taste in men and everything. It's like their identity and their value and their worth that they fit their perception of it has, has uh, been deteriorated. And I, you know, even my own daughter, she, when she was 16, she's 18. Now she said, mom, I want a purity ring. I was like, listen, the thing is, is you can't lose your purity. Mm -hmm. You're a believer. You've been washed white as snow. You can lose your virginity. And there are like natural consequences that come with that. And that's a whole nother subject, you know, soul ties and just, you know, a heartbreak and all of that. But but you can't lose your purity because you've been washed white as snow and, and that the Lord forgives. And so you're not dirty. You are perfect. You are, um, you are amazing. And so, and there's things that we can learn by the mistakes that we made, but his mercies are new every morning. And so I told my daughter, I was like, let's do a pure heart ring. And let's, Mm -hmm. let's talk about what that looks like to make good decisions and allow the Holy spirit to lead them. And then if you do mess up, that doesn't mean that you're forever tainted. You know, you 
are a, a daughter of a king. And so you can't be. And mm-hmm. um, so I think that that mindset has really done a disservice to a lot of the girls. You know, they think that they're not worthy enough to come back to church or or whatever. And, and then the other girls that maybe have never stepped foot in a church, I am like really good at spotting pregnant girls. And I see them everywhere and just little gestures, maybe they make with their hands and as they rest on their belly, you know, just little things. And, um, when I asked them to join an embrace grace group at a local church in whatever area that is, they always kind of look at me like, wait, what? You want me to go to a church? And I am, you know, I'm having an unplanned pregnancy. Like they kind of just feel like there's strings attached or there's going to be a boogeyman that jumps out or whatever. And so then if I keep encouraging her and really, and she actually does show up after the first class, she's always like, oh, this isn't what I thought that church, like, I didn't think it was going to be like this. Like, I thought you were going to tell me what a screw up I was and how I've messed up my life. And all of that. But, and I feel bad because that's what the church or that's what the unchurched thinks that church is. Like they think it's about behavior modification when really it's about a heart transformation. And so, or they have to be like perfect enough before they can show up or anything like that. When that is not, you know, sometimes the church can be known more for what we're against than what we're for. And we have to change that. And I think that the reason why that first class, they, you know, their walls start coming down is we're very strategic in our first class of like every leader that there shares their story and they're always like okay well if that's that leader's story then that's way worse than my story and if god did that for her then maybe god will do that for me too and their walls start coming down and they feel comfortable sharing whatever the hard hardships that they're going through or the things they're struggling with or whatever and they feel like they're not alone because we're all vulnerable and we all just have to be more vulnerable in the way we Uh, talk about our struggles. And that's for church people too. And so if there's anyone listening that has church wounds, like I am so sorry that you were treated in a way that you shouldn't have been treated. It's not the church's job to fix people. It's the church's job to love people. And, and so if that, if you didn't feel love in, in the way they treated you, and I'm so sorry, because that doesn't represent who Jesus is and to try a different church, you know, but get plugged in, but wherever there's an embrace grace group, if someone's out there listening and you have an unexpected pregnancy, Go to embracegrace.com and put in your zip code and all the groups in, in your area pop up with the leader's information, phone number, and all of that. And I can assure you that that would be a safe church to go to and to feel loved and supported because usually the ones kind of weed themselves out by not wanting to do our program because, you know, this is rewarding sin. This is rewarding bad behavior, you know, silly stuff. Or like what you said, we don't have pregnant people in our church. I mean, they just like, it's just cluelessness. And so um, the ones that say yes to Embrace Grace, they get it. And they're all about loving people. And, you know, a church without the broken is a broken church. And we want Mm. the church to be a safe place for all people. Yeah. In your own story, you talked about like distancing yourself from church. What finally helped you overcome your shame? Well, I, I, yeah, I, we would church hop for a little while. Like we'd go to maybe two weeks and then we'd miss like three months and then we'd try a different church. And it wasn't until I found the church that I'm still at today, which has been uh, 13 years. It's called Gateway Church and they're so amazing. But I noticed that it had a culture of vulnerability and that that was like what really, um, 
made me feel like, okay, these people aren't, aren't perfect people. They've gone through some crap and maybe sometimes still going through crap, you know, and that made me feel safe to go there. And, and, and I started realizing, you know, Revelation 12, 11 says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And our testimony is our story. And so the more we share our story, the more the, that shame is lifted because shame actually isolates us. Shame makes us cower in the corner or stay home and not go out or not get involved or maybe not serve or not do all the things that is in your heart to do because you have this, this issue with shame. And that's usually the root of, of some of the stuff that's like maybe holding you back. But whenever we bring it out into the open and we talk about our stuff, that is where shame is lifted. That's where the the vulnerability is what lifts shame. And so that church that I still go to today, they have a culture of vulnerability and authenticity. And it's not these perfect people. It's just, you know, because there obviously there is no such thing, but it is that uh, they know that they are forgiven and that they walk in that and, um, and they have a heart of repentance and all of that. So I would just encourage anyone, you know, to, to share your story to don't keep it into in darkness. That's because what we bring out to the open it is actually contagious. And more people are like me too. I struggled with that too. And so that shame is lifted when we bring it out into the light. Mm, I love that. And for someone who's not so much worried about like the external shaming, but someone who's in her own heart, she's just really upset at herself for messing up. She's like, I made a mistake. I deserve this punishment. But she's like mad continually at herself. What would you say to her? Well, I meet a lot of girl or girls or women that struggle with that, especially the ones that have had an abortion in their past. And um, I remember one time I spoke at a conference and there was, I, I talked about, you know, women that choose life are brave and, and all of that. But at the end of, at the end of my session, I just really felt the Holy Spirit say one more thing, you know, you need to say one more thing. And it was a, a, an arena of 10,000 women. And I said, you know, if there's 10,000 women here, that means at least 2,500 of you have experienced an abortion because that's the percentage rate. And that God wants you to know that he loves you and that he sees you and he wants to heal your heart. He's not mad at you and that you're not disqualified from getting involved, from being the change, you know, that you are qualified because he qualifies you. That was it. It was like 15, 20 seconds of like just a little encouragement for those that had an abortion. Well, afterwards I was completely just blown away by the response. We had booths at that conference. And so our booth was completely inundated with women that, you know, they had mascara under their eyes. Like they just had that look like, they probably have had an abortion. But I remember specifically there were three women and they were all wearing matching t-shirts and they were sisters for this fun conference weekend. And the one in the middle, she could barely stand up. Like they were holding her up. And um, one of the sisters that was on the side, you know, she said she was, my sister was very touched by what you had to say. She wanted to come talk to you and she's trying to get her emotions together to just talk. And so I gave her a few minutes and she finally was like, she just looked at me and just tears down her face. And she said, you mean to tell me that God can use me? And it was like, it had never crossed her mind that she could 
lead and embrace grace group or get involved in whatever way that she wanted to get involved. She felt like she was disqualified because of the decisions she had made years ago. And it's just amazing to me that there's so many women that struggle with that, that feel that way, that have this shame um, because of their past or feel like they can't get involved. But the thing is, is this, that everything we go, there's no perfect people and that everything we go through is something that we can use to be the change in the world. And so, you know, I told her to look back, like, what did you feel like you wished you had years ago when you made your abortion decision? Who do you wish that was in your life at the time? Like, what, what kind of organization or what kind of person, whatever, what did you need? Cause you can be that person now for someone else and to really ask God, you know, what that is. And she ended up getting involved in Embrace Grace and and she's amazing. And she's not that the girls listen to her stories even more because of vulnerability. And so I just want to encourage anyone that you're not disqualified. You don't have to be um, mad or, you know, that we all just have our stuff. And there's if anyone makes you feel like they don't and you do, then you probably just need to hang out with a different person because we've all got our junk and um, you just be around people that are free to express struggle current or past because it is it's real life you know yeah and something that you mentioned um when you were telling me about like what embrace grace does you said that that there's hope and I think that I mean definitely one of my biggest struggles was like I had this life planned out and all of a sudden that's not happening I'm like married and moving and like a mom and I wanted none of these things um and so I think that and I mean, I'm sure you know this, but that motherhood is just kind of, it's not what we had been planning at that time. Where is the hope? Yeah. Well, you know, a, a pregnancy is not a sin. Um, and I'm a, 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 like having sex before pregnancy is, but having a being pregnant and having a child, a baby is always a miracle, no matter how it gets here. And so, you know, just to encourage anyone to, to, to take that the bigger picture in my first book, A Bump in Life, and it's called A Bump in Life, True Stories of Hope and Courage During an Unplanned Pregnancy. And a bump meaning a baby bump. It's got a little sonogram on the front. And, you know, it Love feels that. like a bump in life. It feels like, okay, I wasn't planning this. But the thing is, is this isn't plan B. This is plan A. And that God chose you out of all the women in the world to carry this baby. And whatever that might look like, whether you place for adoption or chose to parent, he chose you and he will give you everything that you need to be able to steward this life and whatever that looks like. And, and that a babies are always a, a blessing. I've seen so many girls that maybe were on the verge of suicide or had drug issues or different things that they were going the wrong direction. And all of a sudden they're pregnant and they're like, oh my gosh, like if I wouldn't have had this baby, I don't know what I would be, you know, I might would be dead or I might would I would have continued down my path, but I've seen so many times that sometimes when God wants to woo our hearts back to his, he might just give him a baby to do it. And that's what he did for me, you know, so we can see like the sweetest face we've ever laid eyes on and we can maybe get a tiny glimpse of how much God must love us because of our love for our child. And even, you know, it is a bump in life and it is hard. It is even being a single mom, like, oh my gosh, it is extremely hard, but the, the, it's all worth 
worth it. And, and, and a baby is always worth it, no matter how, what your circumstances are. And God always provides. And it's just awesome. I feel like an embrace grace that we have front row seats to miracles because we're just constantly mm. seeing, you know, the girls that come in at the beginning, they're scared. They don't know what their future looks like. I mean, they have all these, you know, how am I going to pay for childcare? How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And then to see that everything works out and their life totally changes is just, uh, it's beautiful to see. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I feel like if the words that you've spoken about like healing and vulnerability and shame and all that, if I had heard that as a 20 year old, um, that would have really, really helped me. And I love that you have access to like your curriculum and other things throughout the United States. If someone wants to like, I mean, you have books, but like, if they want to stay in contact with you and your message, how do they do that? Well, uh, go to you know Facebook and Instagram. We're Embrace Grace Inc. Um, is the corporate national headquarters. And so follow us. We have so many inspiring messages for women. I even saw um, a, someone messaged me that's also in the pro-life movement. And she had, I guess pointed someone to embrace grace. And the girl said, Oh my gosh, like I just, I'm a single mom now, but when I was pregnant, their social media gave me life. And mm-hmm. so little things like that makes a difference. It's encouraging. And and so embrace grace Inc. Also Amy Ford is my name. You can follow me as well. Amy Ford EG is, uh, my Instagram handle and, um, and then help her be brave, discover your place in the pro-life movement. The book is on Amazon or our website, embracegrace.com. And you have a podcast too, right? Yeah, we have a Helper Be Brave podcast. So we're interviewing people and organizations every single week on that are doing something, something creative, or maybe it's an organization that they're run that are, are making a difference. And so we hope that all the listeners will hear something and be like, oh my gosh, that's where I want to connect to. That's where I'm going to get involved. And we're just trying to shine a light on all this awesome stuff that people are doing out in the pro-life movement or helping single moms. And then I also have another podcast that's every other week and it's called Then God Made a Woman. And it's about sexual trauma and healing and just being a woman. And uh, so so, and that we have a, a counselor that is on that show that is totally amazing. So check out both of those, Help Her Be Brave and Then God Made a Woman. I love that. And I've been loving listening to Help Her Be Brave and listening to the resources. And um, a lot of people started the resources because of their own stories. And I just love that you're highlighting all of that because I I don't know, like there's no online dictionary for finding a resource, but that's kind of what you're doing. And it's just awesome. Right. And then also we're on YouTube as well. So we're not just a podcast. So if anybody is more visual and likes to watch episodes, you can do that for both of those podcasts as well. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, Amy. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Guys, this just hit home for me so many times. I wrote down a quote that Amy said, people don't know whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry, so they don't say anything and you just feel alone in a crowd of people. If that's how you're feeling about your pregnancy, I want you to know that there are plenty of people who wanna support you during this time. I've interviewed many organizations and individuals on this podcast, so go back and look through the list, see if any might apply to your situation. And you can connect with Embrace Grace and find a group in your area. There's 
groups all over the country and even internationally. So go look that up. And you can visit me on Instagram, Two Pink Lines Pod on Instagram, and drop me a DM. And if you need support, I can connect you to resources in your area. So I hope you enjoyed this interview, and I'm looking forward to bringing you another great story in the near future.